0: Welcome to a game of two halves. It's our final show before the Christmas break. How are you, Ollie?
1: I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Uh, World Cup fever is in is in full motion now, isn't it? We're we're deep into the knockout stages.
0: Yeah, very deep now. We're now into the quarterfinals that are starting in a couple of days. But first, we want to go over the England game that's happened since we last spoke to you guys. That's England versus Senegal.
1: Yeah. So obviously, last time we left it, didn't we? We left it on the Iran six-two performance, which was obviously such a top performance at at the top of England's game free scoring Uh, obviously they wanted to keep that clean sheet but they didn't quite get that Um, we've seen USA since then we've seen Wales and we've seen Senegal Um, if we're thinking about the USA game it it wasn't really up to scratch It, it wasn't really what we all expected going into that game because you know, we'd seen such a free scoring performance against Iran. We really wanted to see England kick on and get that six points in the group and, and, and consolidate their their passage into the round of 16 early. But we didn't see that. We, see, we saw them beat Wales 3-0, which was, again, a fantastic performance. So, yeah, at the group stages, I thought, were really promising for England.
0: And then we got ourselves through, didn't we? We did. We got we ourselves did. through against Senegal, played against them, and we did the job, didn't we? The thing is, once again, got the first goal and ran away with it.
1: Yeah, and on paper that looked like a really tough game. Senegal, a, a compact side, really, really decent side. They've got a lot of star quality in their in their midfield and defence, and obviously up front. Obviously, you have to sort of think of the absence of Mane and that, and and say, well, they're not up to full standard. But yeah, we did really well, and we dominated massively.
0: Yeah, I think. It kind of reassured everyone because, like you said about the group stages, people were a bit worried after the America game. But then you look at the teams that slipped up. So many teams didn't have a perfect group stage. Nobody, in fact, got nine points. So for us to go and dispatch Wales like that, send them home, and then go into the Senegal game and make light work of it, really, I was really impressed. I, I was a bit worried about us at nil nil, which seems to be the story of England at the minute. When they're at nil nil, I don't feel confident. But the minute they get the first goal... I don't know what clicks, whether it's confidence, whether it's the other team coming out, but once we score a goal, I've got full hope for us for a win in every game that we play.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, and we sort of have to mention Jude Bellingham and his performance. What did you think of that? Because I thought that was genuinely one of the greatest performances I've ever seen a player having in England shirt at, at, at his age as well.
0: I just can't believe it. I've never seen a player as good as him for England. He he seriously is one of the most talented players. I've ever watched in for any country at all Mm. and his work for that goal against Senegal was just sublime Unreal. Unreal. he seemed to have everything in that so he had the technical ability he had the skills which you know other top England midfields in the past they've got a load of technical ability shooting all that passing and all that but Jude Bellingham has like footwork as well so you look at him and he's got a bit of Lampard, a bit of Gerrard, but then he's also got a bit of that flair that you don't often see with like, England players. And I think that's, the modern England player has a bit more of that. Like, Phil Foden's got that as well. Like, those yeah. two as a pair are... They are the future of England, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, and is
1: it now that we sort of start uttering Bellingham's name in the same breath as Mbappe and Haaland and, and thinking, could he be one of these top players in the generation, like your Messi's and Ronaldo's, carrying the sort of footballing world forward on their backs for the next 10, 15 years?
0: Well, yeah, if it hasn't been said already, I think I'd have him right up there. I don't want to be reactionary after these games, but I think the fact that most England fans have not seen loads of him for Dortmund, and this is our first real experience of what Duke Bellingham is like, regularly we're all just completely flabbergasted aren't we really yeah but I don't want to just praise the the fancy players the the Bellinghams the Foden's and stuff I want to give a bit of praise to Jordan Henderson here which is quite a rarity on this show because (laughs) he is a Liverpool player but I backed him to start again after he played in the game against um, Wales I backed him to start again because I think he is kind of Southgate's man on the pitch he's a leader He's got energy, so he kind of sets the tone for the rest of the team as well. And I felt like having him in there just made me feel more comfortable about that midfield.
1: I do think we look like a, a massively balanced side. I think we've got that right, that right uh, amount of youth and the right amount of experience. Which obviously Southgate will rely on the experience more going into the, uh, further into the knockout stages of the tournament because you need those players that have been in these type of tournaments. You look at Henderson in the Champions League. You have you have sort of. That experience going deep into tournaments and, and seeing games out in tournament football, I think Southgate will look to that, especially against France as well.
0: Yeah, well, he's, he's got to have a big think about that team, hasn't he? Which we will go on to in the later parts. But I just want to say as well, Harry Kane's got off the mark now. Yeah. So people might have had a few concerns about him at the start of the tournament, but I, I wasn't concerned personally because I felt like he was the glue that's, that kind of brought that team together. He had three assists, didn't he? But he deserved that goal against Senegal, oh, I was massively. so happy for him to get that because everyone else is scoring anyway, mm. which we don't need to worry about scoring really at the minute, but for Harry Kane to get off the mark just in time for the France game as well.
1: And it's also it's also reminiscent of the the Euros last summer and how Kane had a really poor group stage in terms of scoring um, and people were questioning him and going, well... Um, Are you even all that? Have you you got the ability to score in major tournaments? And he proved that against Germany, scoring the second goal in that game. And he's proved it again. And I think that will only bode well going into the rest of the tournament. I think it was the perfect time for Kane. As you said, it's the perfect time for Kane to score going into this France game, which was going to be a really tough game on Saturday.
0: It is. And I think a lot of England fans and even just people in general who watch England will say this is the first real test, which I don't like that comment really because I think... So many teams in this tournament, in other tournaments, haven't beat the team that they're supposed mm. to beat. And we have beaten the teams that we're supposed to beat in every tournament that Gareth Southgate's been a part of, really. Obviously, you could say Croatia, maybe we should have beaten them. Yeah. But like other than that, every team that we are clear favourites for, we've absolutely done the job and got by. So I think that deserves credit in itself because that isn't always a given.
1: I mean, and Gareth Southgate doesn't pick the draw. Like, you can only beat what's in front of you, and and, and what he's done in the past few tournaments is, is really good uh, by just beating the teams that have been put in front of him.
0: I wish he did pick the draw, <laughs> to be honest. I wish he could put us against someone a bit easier in the next round. I'm a bit worried about France, but I'm a bit more optimistic than most, I'd say. Yeah. I yeah. think we can give him a game, but like killing
1: Mbappe is a concern, isn't he? Hundred so percent. He's he's a top player, top top player, and I think if we don't keep him quiet, we're going to have a really miserable afternoon on Saturday. Well, would you go five at the back, or it's it's a worry, it's a worry at whether you you stick with what you know or or carry on. So there's there's big question marks over that, but I, I do trust Southgate. I do trust Southgate to get it right. I think if if anyone can do it in a tournament, it is him. Welcome back to a game of two halves. So we've now talked about
0: England, and now we're going to move on to the rest of the teams at the World Cup. So the group stage finished in between our last show, didn't yeah. it? And the group stage for me was probably the best group stage of a major tournament I've ever seen. What did you think
1: of it? Well, it's it? definitely been the most unpredictable, in my opinion. It's on on record, I think, since since the World Cup began, there's not been as many upsets as there was in this, this group stage. You look at games like Tunisia beating France, you look at Japan, Stun Germany and Spain... Morocco advancing, no one tipped that that to happen at all. So I think it has been one of the best group stages, of that certainly I remember, in my lifetime. But I think even looking back to further World Cups, it's it's been fantastic. And it just
0: kept happening as well, didn't it? When the Argentina-Saudi Arabia game happened, we were like, wow, that is insane. You didn't think it would carry on in that way. And you just had Cameroon beating Brazil yeah. as well. Yeah, it was just unbelievable. South Korea beat in Portugal, and then it wasn't even just the upsets. I think the final round of the group stages were more fascinating than ever. Like I've never really felt as shocked as what was going on in that final round of the group stages. Like when you add in one day at the same time, you've got the group wrapping up. So, for example, the Germany, Costa Rica, Spain, that was just. An oh, insane, that was mental. Absolutely
1: insane ending. What did you think I mean, of that? About- I mean, at any point of, of those games, anyone could have gone through. It was like Spain and Germany were going through. Then it was Japan and Germany. Then Costa Rica all of a sudden managed to get the, their names in the in the frame for going through to the last 16. It was it was genuinely one of the craziest last games to a group stage I think I've ever seen.
0: No one gave Costa Rica any hope before, did they?
1: And I then- think even after the, the 7-0 against Spain, I think people just wrote them off completely. But... Obviously, goal difference was massively against them going into that final game, but you can't ever write off a team just for losing one game in a group stage. I think that's what is so important to remember, especially at World Cups. Anyone can come back from anywhere. You can't ever write off
0: a team, I think, full stop. It's incredible how a team can come back after being destroyed, like Iran as Mm. well. They come back after playing us. They beat Wales, and they look like they had a point to prove because you think... It's not just playing for the clubs; these players, they're playing for the country, which they're really proud of. Yeah. And you see players just working that bit harder. You know, like seeing the Moroccan players, like Hakim Ziyech. Like you see him for Chelsea; he's a bit lazy, doesn't track back for Morocco, up and down, defending, doing everything he can to get his team through. I think the
1: patriotism of of players definitely comes through in World Cups, and you see how committed they are to getting stuff done for the badge and and really fighting for the country in on a major tournament. Yeah,
0: and we've lost two big names as well, haven't we? Germany and Uruguay have both crashed out of the group stage. And
1: Belgium. Oh, yeah, don't forget Belgium. And Belgium. And I think that definitely there's a, point, there's a point to be made with Belgium and Germany in the fact that they have had their various golden generations in the past 10, 15 years. And I think these two exits have definitely signaled the end of that Yeah, with with little to no evidence, really, of them ever coming back in, in the next five years, which is a shame, really, because Belgium were always one of those uh, countries that you looked at and they were favourites for most World Cups, at least favourites to get to the semis or, or even the finals. So for them to to come away from that golden generation of, of players with nothing to show for it is really quite... It's a big shame.
0: for Third place to be the best finish of this golden generation that's had Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku all in the prime, Yeah, Thibaut Courtois in goal. Yeah. As a, and I think... The end of the golden generation is signalled by Eden Hazard now retiring from yeah. the Belgium national team as well. A player who just completely fell off for his club and his country, and he kind of paralleled with his country in that demise. Yeah, you know, he completely. He joined Real Madrid
1: and turned into something completely different. And it's a shame to see his sort of injury record as well, because he could have been one of those players that were, he was probably one of the best in the world at, at one point. Yeah, certainly was. when he was at Chelsea, and to see him now at the end of his uh, international career, obviously had so many injury problems. It it really is a shame to see.
0: It is. So the group stages was all wrapped up and we were thinking, surely there can't be more drama in the round of 16. But there was. As football always delivers, (laughs) there was. And I want to start with Brazil first because it wasn't the first game in the round of 16, but it was the one that just got me the most it was one that I feel like I might remember in 20 years time as while wow, I got to experience that Brazil team yeah. live they were just incredible
1: I mean you look at the, the Richarlison goal how the build-up for that the way he finished that off was fantastic but the build-up the headed keepy ups it, and it's <sighs> it's genuinely probably one of the best team goals I've ever seen in the fact that they were just knocking it around free-flowing and they couldn't the defense couldn't get near him they play with like
0: freedom, don't they? They play as if they're just, you know, down the street, just playing with the mates. And you see that with the harmony and the squad, like celebrating with the manager mm. when Richarlison scored, and then the fact that they brought on the twenty-sixth man in the squad yeah. to complete the squad. They've now played every single player that they brought to this World Cup, and I I love that. And we're talking about
1: moments as well. Obviously, that was probably up there with one of the best goals in the tournament. You look at Richarlison's overhead kick for example, in the group stages, you look at Chavez's free kick for from, from Mexico, that those kind of moments are up there with why this World Cup has been so special.
0: Yeah. That Richarlison overhead kick's been a bit forgotten about, mm, hasn't it, yeah. really? But yeah. yeah, Brazil were just
1: ridiculous. It didn't give South Korea a chance, really. Yeah. I mean, you look at other ties as well. Portugal, relatively stress-free. England, stress-free going into the into the quarterfinals. Um, France was mad,
0: wasn't it? That was like... I didn't expect that from them. Oh yeah, that. I just want to say about how to beat Switzerland, who looks like a really solid team and always do at every tournament mm. without Ronaldo as well. Ronaldo
1: bench for the first time at a major tournament since two thousand and eight. It's crazy. It's and crazy. They, they, the they, they look a better side without Ronaldo. I mean, we don't want to turn this into the Ronaldo radio show, but we always talk
0: about Ronaldo. <laughs> we? we do seem
1: to always end up on the topic of Ronaldo, but
0: they do look a better side without him. They do, and now suddenly. I heard a few people saying, oh, the winner of England-France will get to the final. I do not think that's a good I disagree. Now.
1: I think it, it'll be a, whoever uh, wins out of England and France will have a really tough test ahead of them, should Portugal get through to the next round. Because Definitely. I don't think we can write off Morocco. No. I really don't think we can write off Morocco. They've been fantastic in this tournament. They've really looked at a, a great, complete package as a side. Um, and just to top it off last night, the, the audacity of that chip from Hakimi, was it was something else. <laughs> the confidence you've got to have to do that in the
0: last moment, the last kick of that penalty shootout. And he delivered that for his country. And to see the celebrations afterwards, because there's a lot of Moroccans in mm-hmm. Qatar, isn't there? Yeah. They've all travelled over there. And like, to see that team achieve that as a North African team that could be the furthest a North African team has got yeah. in history. And like, they're
1: just so well organised, aren't they? Yeah, they they look fantastic. Like they really do look like the complete package, and they've got those star names as well, which we have seen, uh, obviously playing top top leagues in in Europe. Uh, Hakimi, Masraoui, Hakim Ziyech—they they really are a good side, and I I don't think they can be written off. But the the thing is, I've seen a bit of criticism from
0: actually Spanish players who played them, <laughs> Rodri in particular, who were saying that they didn't play football properly, and I feel like that's so snobbish because. If you win a football match, it doesn't matter how you play it. And Morocco don't have to play the football that Spain play for it to be a valid way of playing. And they got through the game how they did it.
1: I mean, we saw the way that South Korea set up against Brazil. And and that shows that if you do come out to play football and and sort of match Brazil, you're just going to get knocked about. Like, Brazil just thought, we'll we'll have a field day here. Because South Korea set up uh, in a way that it just perfectly played into Brazil's hands. And I think that's where Morocco did it right because they sort of played Spain at their own game in, in terms of having the perfect counter to what Spain wanted to do.
0: Yeah, they did. They definitely did. And I think they, they didn't just play defensively, did they? They played with spirit and passion. Some of the tackles flying in, mm. I it just really put Spain off didn't it and I think Spain have been punished for their lack of goals ultimately yeah they, they scored a few against Costa Rica but when it mattered they didn't have it, they didn't have the goals required
1: It's mad to think that we're, we're punishing Spain for their lack of goals and they, they scored 7 in the first game, like that's just how quickly the World Cup has changed around.
0: That's the thing, like Gary Neville was criticised, well criticised afterwards when he said at the start of the World Cup Spain are going to lack goals, they then scored 7 against Costa Rica and then everyone's like <laughs> Gary Neville like imagine saying that yeah but that was a one-off game and ever since I've looked at them and been like right you guys have everything Mm. but you don't have that final bit you know Morata comes on as a sub and does a job at times but
1: they are missing something you can't rely on on Alvaro Morata unfortunately and he's he's that link that Spain miss up front yeah he is and what they don't even start him do they it's like
0: Spain have got everything apart from a striker which they've won tournaments in the past without a striker but
1: they missed it didn't they this time around yeah they did and it's it really does look like even Spain could be coming to the end of their golden generation I know we see players like Pedri and Gavi coming through and they do look fantastic they, they're like mini regens of Xavi and Iniesta but can they do it on their own yeah that's that's the that's the real question mark that's the, the real question they've got mark.
0: two top players but
1: is that the whole team no uh, and, and yeah, so it's it's one of them looking looking forward. I don't, I don't think Spain have, have massive uh, aspirations going forward. Welcome back to a game of two halves. So we've touched on the group stage, we've touched on England and we've touched on the round of 16. Now we're going to move on to the last eight, the quarterfinals, semifinals and the final potentially. Um, where do you want to begin? So I want to begin on Croatia-Brazil.
0: Right. So Croatia have surprised me a little bit this tournament because I thought they would be... Awful. I thought that was the end of Croatia, Modric on his last legs, Rakitic no longer really involved, I thought that would be it for them, but they still have that Croatian style, they're Mm. good on the ball, can just outplay teams on the ball, they've still got Brozovic, Kovacic, you know, all the itches, they're still a good (laughs) team, they're still a good team, so I don't think that they'll be able to give Brazil a game though. I just want to watch Brazil again. Again,
1: I do think Brazil are just too strong. I think whoever Brazil come up against at the moment, they will just steamroll. Like they they do just look too good for anyone. Their squad's too good. Even the starting eleven, they've got too many superstars that most teams can't really defend, uh, like contend with. Um, they- Croatia. Yeah, I, I I am inclined to agree. I, I do think they they look good, contrary to a lot of what people. Uh, a lot of what people believed before the tournament, I think people definitely wrote them off far too early, including myself. I, I thought they didn't have the legs to get to where they are now. Um, their game against Japan, they didn't look too convincing. They I thought they were poor, so yeah, I can't see anyone else winning but Brazil. When you've
0: got Rodrigo and Martinelli to come off the bench as well, you've got no hope at that point because their attack as it is is ridiculous isn't it with Richarlison, Neymar, Vinicius Jr to then be able to bring that Caldera player on as well and when they're, they're in the free flow now aren't they like they've just completely destroyed South Korea and I, I just don't get how a team can stop them I hope one team can stop them but like I'm pretty concerned so moving on from to that one team that I want them to stop it's England
1: against England France, France. As we touched on before, it's a tough it's a tough, tough game. Like, we knew really it was coming. Tough.
0: We knew it was coming before the World Cup, didn't we? It was the, the bracket we were expecting to be on and the games here now, which is a credit to us. We've got here,
1: but it's time to do it. And and I've got a question that I think might be a question on a lot of people's lips. Do you think that France are what they are without Mbappe? Mm. Do you think it's all Mbappe? Because I'm I'm of the opinion that Mbappe Carries that France team. There's there's no chance France will be even in in the running for a semi final without Mbappe.
0: I think they're no longer what they were four years Mm -hmm. ago, and I think Mbappe is the reason why they are still within a shot of winning it. People don't talk about them as winners, but I had them down as potential favourites at the start. But yeah, I agree with you. I think they've not got that cohesion in a team they're a, a team full of individuals as we've said many times in the past mm. and when you've only really got Mbappe left as the major individual other than Griezmann then what, what have you got yeah. really you've got Giroud up front who is a goal scorer a good player but lacking
1: Pogba and Kante for this World Cup and what have they got are they there they've sure many in, in there who's maybe you could argue is for our France in a transitional period a bit like moving into that, that uh, different generation a lot of teams
0: line. are. It seems. It seems like a lot of young players are coming through at the minute. And Thuramani and Camavinga, for them, yeah. they are serious French players. Camavinga hasn't really played, has he? This World I Cup. I mean, playing playing
1: Camavinga as a fullback in the group stages. That I think that was a bit disrespectful to Camavinga's talent.
0: Well, Deschamps has been at France for ages now, hasn't he? You know, and it's like, is it time for him to maybe move on if they do crash out? Because if you're relying on one golden Mm. boy to carry you through but then sometimes that's all you need and I think that is enough for us to be seriously worried about them because I'm really worried about them
1: yeah and and it's one of them where I think this game on Saturday will be won by an individual moment of brilliance and it could come from either team obviously England have so many fantastic players that can, can give you that like Marcus Rashford Phil Foden even Bellingham popping up from midfield so it will be a very tight game. I do think it will be close for the majority of the the ninety minutes. Could even go to extra time or even penalties. Which, listen, penalties. I don't. I don't think our Hawks could take it. Another penalty loss. But I'd rather not have penalties. But I do. I agree. It'll be a
0: tight game. We'll probably start with five at the back. I imagine. Which I reckon there'll be some disappointment to that because we've played with four at the back so far, and we really are seeing our attacking talent. So to kind of suddenly see a good team and go right defensive-minded again it probably would disappoint a few Mm. fans but then do you think do you have to do that for France maybe you do but then if the main thing is stopping Mbappe the one thing that I think we need is just make sure that Kyle Walker's in that team which I'm sure he will be 100% he's the man to stop Mbappe People can question his defensive ability slightly. Yeah, he's a good defender. He might not be a great defender. But one thing that he's got is recovery pace. And that's what you need against Kylian
1: Mbappe. 100%. Yeah, so moving on, we've got Netherlands versus Argentina. Now, that'll be a fantastic game, I think. Best I think game it's, of the round, I think. 100%. It's, it's probably the closest matchup that you could sort of say, I, I don't know which team is going to go through. Similar to England versus France. But this one in particular, they're two very, very well-matched teams, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see how it goes because Holland against a good team, are they going to be the same? Yeah. And, but then you could also argue, are Argentina a
1: good team mm. or does Messi carry them a bit as well? I think Holland are on paper are a more well-rounded side. Obviously, they've got um, Van Dyke at the back, Dumfries, Cody Gakpo. They do look like a, a better squad, but, but you can't, you just can never write off Messi and you can just never count him out. No. And then the final one
0: is Morocco against Portugal, which, if Morocco's last performance is anything to go by, it could be another tight mm-hmm. game. But I personally think Portugal will do the job and get through because they've got a bit more tempo about them. They won't be able to be frustrated. Like Spain got frustrated because of their slow style of play. Yeah. I think Portugal just blitzed them two or three now.
1: If you'd have asked me this before yesterday and, and said. Um, Morocco or Portugal, um, I would have waited and saw how Portugal got on against in their round of sixteen tie. Um, if they'd have edged past Switzerland, I would have I would have slightly gone to the side of Morocco. But what? What Portugal did last night and how free scoring they were, I just can't see Morocco's defence stopping them, which is a shame really because I really do want to see Morocco go a bit further and maybe get that result against Portugal, which would be fantastic for their nation, fantastic for African football so I, I do want to see Morocco win, uh, but I do think Portugal will just edge them out on this one
0: So then on to the semi-finals it, it could be anything now but what do you expect the semi-finals to be? <sighs>
1: I'm, I'm not going to jinx England-France, so I'm not going to give one. So it's England or France versus Portugal. And who gets through that? Oh. <laughs> I can I
0: can envision Portugal beating us on penalties. Yeah, yeah I can. I can see Portugal beating us at some point in this tournament. We get the high of beating France, maybe, and then come crashing down yeah, again, I classic know. England. But yeah, I think it's no longer a given to decide to, that decides who's in that final from that leg. I personally think it could be either.
1: I do think on the other side of that, I think Brazil gets to the final. Regardless yeah. of who if they play Argentina or they play the Netherlands, I do think Brazil will be in the World Cup final on the on the 18th of December. I think they've booked the place already.
0: I 100%. agree. So then if it gets to the final with England, it could be England versus Brazil, it could be France versus Brazil, it could be Portugal or Morocco versus Brazil. Who's it going to be? I'll back England. I'll back England. Oh. <laughs> I'll back England. <laughs> I think I might back Portugal just to be a bit yeah. pessimistic, but <laughs> in that final, could England beat Brazil? Is there any
1: hope? No, definitely not. Brazil are too good. I think that's the only team that I would be going into that game going, no, there's no, there's no chance. Really? There's no chance. It's like it's like Everton playing Man City. There's, there's no chance there.
0: I hope the gap isn't that big, but, you know, it should be interesting regardless. Like, if England managed to do it, they'll have done it deservedly because they'll have beat some serious teams along the way. Welcome back to a game of two halves. That was He's Brazilian by Oasis. For anyone who didn't get the clue, that was a song about a player that we're going to be talking about in this next section because we're talking about the top goal scorers at this tournament and one of which is our boy Richarlison. We can't call him our boy anymore. We can't do that. Still is in my mind. I wish he still plays for us. But yeah, Richarlison's going to be the first one because how fitting a way to talk about him just after we play a song
1: <sighs> he's tearing it up isn't he? He's he is he's doing really well he's making me a bit sad
0: but also <laughs> a bit proud well, i'm very proud of him because he was ours and he has a special place in his heart for everton as we know well i mean he kept
1: us up didn't he last season and we will always have a special place in our heart for richarlison no matter where he is on the on the planet in the footballing world we will always have a special place from everton
0: and i think this tournament has kind of shown that he is going to the very top. 100%. Which people outside of Everton didn't seem to believe, but we knew, didn't we? We did. We knew how good this fellow was, and putting himself around top players like he is now, which he never got at Everton, admittedly, he is now thriving, isn't he? The goal oh, in the group stages, the overhead kick in the group stages, and the goal the other the other day against South Korea, just magnificent. Like That player has got serious ability, and it's time for everyone to finally realise it, isn't
1: 100%. it, 100%. So he's on three for the tournament, which stands him in good stead for the rest of the the knockout stages because he is in one of those teams that will go to the final, I think. So he's not basing his um goal scoring performance on um whether how how far their, their team gets in the tournament, which I, I will touch on Mbappé. I do think his golden boot conquest massively determines on how France do in the quarter final this weekend. I think if France do beat England and get through Um, He's probably nailed. Mbappe will probably be nailed on to get that golden boot. But if for whatever reason France don't get through and England somehow get a result on Saturday, that'd be alright, wouldn't it? (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, I do think that puts it in the hands of players like Richarlison, players like Messi, who do have that chance of getting further in the tournament um, and scoring more goals. So for Richarlison to to be in that team, The only downside I
0: can think of is that the goals might get shared mm. because if you've got Neymar now coming back into the team as well, he's now got himself a goal. Does he take a bit of the stage?
1: Does he take it off a Charleston? I don't think he gets the golden boot, uh, but I do think Neymar will, won't finish his goal-scoring tally on what he is on now. I think he will contribute more. A bit like Vinicius Junior, he'll probably get more goals as, as they get further into the tournament, but... That being said, Richarlson is a good goal scorer and I think if a chance does come to him, he'll, he'll take it.
0: Because that's what, that's what I mean, really. I'm thinking, yeah, he's in a top team, but because they spread the goals so mm. much, does he miss out because of that? Whereas when you're in a team where you are the main man and you get 30% of your team's goals, does that give you a better chance? And I think... The person to talk about in that sense is Messi, mm. because he has had three goals, hasn't he? Which is a good portion of Argentina's goals, and he is the talisman, isn't he?
1: Three fantastic goals as well. Maybe we had his goal um, the other night was something else. It was a great finish into The, the Mexico one was good, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. That was
0: just sublime. That was Lionel Messi kind of rolling back the years a bit. Because there's been there's been a few doubts about him going into the tournament, hadn't there? And I think he's just about proved himself because against Mexico when they needed
1: to win he delivered yeah and we, we do have to kind of just enjoy him now because this will undoubtedly be his last World Cup tournament mm-hmm. so we, we kind of just have to embrace it and go just take our hat off to him whenever he does something sensational
0: because I think He's got. He's still got the technical ability, but he's just not quite got that pace anymore, which means he doesn't just jink past players as much as he used to. But he's still special, and he's still got that precision in his finishing. Yeah, hundred percent. So I think he's a he's a great shot for it. But his
1: mate Julian Alvarez is doing yeah, okay as yeah. well. isn't he's, he? He's he's another outside chance that that might have uh, a really good shot in the next few weeks. I, I do think Julian Alvarez has got that really good scoring ability. So yeah, he's he's a good shout. So you did mention Kylian Mbappe there.
0: Currently, probably the Bucky's favourite yeah. to be top goal scorer returns me a nice ninety pounds if he <laughs> does get top goal scorer. So I'm hoping so, but I'm hoping it's not at the expense of England. But that man is just something else. He's out of this world. He's now on nine World Cup goals in total, and the, the, the at record, his age as well. Yeah, he's twenty three years old. The record for the most goals for France at World Cups is thirteen, <laughs> and he's mental. on nine. That is mental. So Mbappe is proving himself again that he is really into that elite
1: category now the goals he scored against Poland were just like outrageous. something else something else and another player in his squad that might have an outside shot is Olivier Giroud hmm. a little bit of a tapping merchant but but he does get himself on the score sheet plenty of times and he's always in the right place at the right time to get there so he could be another outside shot for it a goal's a goal isn't it at the end of the day <laughs> it doesn't matter how it
0: goes in if you're in there like Giroud will be because France obviously creates chances. He's going to be in there with a shout. And another one who I'd say he's this player that I'm about to say is the weirdest of the lot because it seems like you'd never think he'd be in with a shout of a golden boot or anything. Because because of, I don't know what it is, Bakayo Saka, you don't think of him, oh, he's a prolific goalscorer, he's going to be a golden boot winner. But
1: the guy's got three goals. He could. I didn't think about Saka, to be fair. I, I've, on my list here, I've got Marcus Rashford as an outside shot. Because, he, again, goals again, he's been very prolific in this, this tournament. But, yeah, Saka's a, re, a really weird one. I didn't really think about Saka.
0: Those two, it's, it's interesting because if Harry Kane starts scoring, does that
1: take the goals away from them too? Like, it's similar with Brazil, isn't it? It's... it's do these goals dry up for these wide players because Harry Kane finds his form and starts finding the back of the net
0: and like you said before it is about how far these players actually go Mm. in the tournament as well and one player who just came out of nowhere last night (laughs) was Goncalo Ramos who took Ronaldo's place in the Portuguese
1: team and scored a hat-trick on his World Cup debut it's mental some hat trick as well, his little chip to, to complete the hat trick. That was a great finish. And he does really look like a prolific goal scorer, that Gonzalo Ramos. Yeah, he does. And I've got an incredible, incredible stat
0: for you regarding cool. that. So he is only the second Portuguese player to score a hat trick in a knockout game. Who was the other one? A Portuguese Ooh. star, not Ronaldo. Eusebio. It was Eusebio, and that triggered something in my brain, because that World Cup was in the 1966 World Cup. <sighs> and guess where that goal, that hat-trick, actually, was scored, Oli? What stadium was it scored at? Well, I mean, I'm going to guess Goodison Park. It was. Mad. Goodison Park, 1966, was the last time a Portuguese player scored a hat-trick in a knockout game. Mm, so, so England are winning the World Cup then, as well? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> History repeat itself, who knows? Fingers crossed. But there is a lot of shouts for the top goal scorer there. I think normally you need about six goals to mm. do it. I remember Thomas Muller got five, didn't he? Yeah. In twenty ten. But then other times I think Arnheim Ronaldo got
1: a few more, didn't he? If you were to put your hat on it and go, This is who I am backing to be golden boot winner come the end of December, who are you gonna say?
0: I'd say Mbappe because I think there's even a small chance that he could have enough already. Because mm. that's it. it seems that the com- the competitors are going out regularly, yeah. so Maratta is gone. I was a bit worried about him because he seems to just come on and score goals, yeah. doesn't he? But like, if the players that he's competing with keep getting knocked out, five could be enough. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. What I, do you think? Uh,
1: I'm still going to stick with my original thought of Richarlison. I do think he'll he'll get the golden boot. That does mean he has to get three. In the next, in the next uh, few rounds, which will be difficult, but I, I don't put that past him. I, I'd be I'd, so happy for him. I'd be really happy for him because he deserves it from from where he's come. From obviously, you hear some of the stories about him in Brazil to then go to Watford, Everton, and then on to Spurs. Now, he, he does just deserve everything that comes his way, and he's he's really just a top lad, a top player. And I'm gonna I'm gonna back him. I'm gonna say he will be the Golden Boot winner.
0: I don't get why people. Seem to like hate him outside of like Everton and that because he seems like such a wholesome fella. Mm. Like I've seen the videos this week of him meeting R nine Ronaldo and he just looks over them. It's like seeing a lad live his dream. Yeah, like imagine that if you were a footballer and that's what you got to experience. Like I'm well happy for him and I hope I hope he does it not at the expense of England. Just don't score against England <laughs> if we're getting there. And Gonzalo Ramos, I
1: don't think. He's, going to t- he's no, gonna. No, go. I don't think you will go any further than that. That was just a free cat trick that just came out of nowhere. It had to be mentioned, though. didn't Oh, one hundred percent, it had to be. Uh, one player that we have sort of uh, overlooked a little bit is Cody Gakpo for the Netherlands. True. Could he possibly be in the name in 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 the ring for for uh, for golden Boot? It's whether they
0: get through, isn't it? Because three isn't going to do it on its own. But if if Holland have a good tournament, get themselves to the final, then who knows? Yeah. Well, he's, he seems to be doing a better job than Memphis at scoring goals, doesn't oh, he? percent so. he, he looks a really good player, Cody Akpo. Another one linked with Everton, funnily enough. But um,
1: There's so many of them. Even Goncalo Ramos we inquired <laughs> about in the summer. <laughs> it's just typical, isn't it? Just when we need goals. Welcome back to A Game of Two Halves. Now it's time for the ever-present fixture of this show, Upset of the Week. So I'm going to hand over to Ellis, who's got his um, point to make.
0: I love this bit. Every week, every two weeks, actually, I love this bit because there's been some really interesting ones, hasn't there? I backed Morocco the other week and I was so surprised at that. They, <laughs> I backed them to beat Belgium. It delivered. And when it's on record like this as well, you can go back and say, yeah, I did that. You know, <laughs> I called that, by the way, guys. There's evidence. So, yeah, to mine. Mine is going to be... It, it was a hard one because the quarterfinals, you've now got quite a lot of
1: big teams left in it. And I went with... Should we do our disclaimer to say that we've not conferred again? I've, the people will know by now that we don't confer with this. So go on, take it away. Yeah, we did not confer. So yeah, as I said, we're
0: there's bigger teams left now, so there's not as many outrageous upsets to choose from. We may or may not have gone with the same one. I'm hoping we haven't. But if we have, you know
1: what? That's the show,
0: isn't it? <laughs> That's the nature of the show. Holland to beat... Argentina
1: is oh, what I've gone with. I can I can say that we haven't come for the same one. Yes, get we it. have not gone for the same
0: one. <laughs> That's a success then. So yeah, Holland to beat Argentina and it's not even just a case of right, there's four games left, pick one. I really think this could happen. I think Argentina are always going to be hyped up because they've got Messi in their team but Holland, they've just impressed me with their attacking football. You know, reminds me a bit of the classic total football Johan Cruyff that you hear about from the past. Like, that style is always there with holland and my only worry with them always is them at the back and that's that's the slight concern denzel dumfries does push up quite high but like when you've got van dyke at the back gives you a bit more license to go forward because if you've got him there you don't need to worry because obviously as liverpool fans would love me saying he's one of the best defenders in the world don't don't give him credit alice don't do it (laughs) so to have him there like that's a bit of security for him. And I think they could do it. It would be a case of outscoring them. It would be a case of outscoring yeah. Argentina rather than narrowly beating them based on a defensive performance. I think it'd be, there'll be certainly be goals. But if they can keep Messi quiet, mm. then I
1: think you've got a chance there. 100%. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a really good, that's a really good upset. So what have you gone with with yours? Right. Granted, this isn't the biggest upset, um, of the week. Um, it's between two very evenly matched sides, funnily enough. But I've gone with England to beat France. <laughs> now, there is method to my madness. I will explain. It isn't the biggest of upsets, as, we've, as I've just said. But before the tournament, would we ever have thought in a million years that we would have had the prowess, the attacking ability, the defensive ability to even be mentioned in the same question beating France no and that's what, shows, Not at all. that's what shows how well we've done how how well we, how far we've come in this tournament but how well Southgate's done how well the, the back room staff have done and how well the players have done in gelling in together and I really do think we will beat France I wanted to sort of prolong it as much as I can throughout the show I don't know listening back you might be able to tell that I'm sort of dropping hints that I do think we'll beat France but I do think we'll beat France you're going to build that optimism now all that little <laughs> false hope Anyone who's listening is going to
0: start believing now because that's what we want, isn't it? We want to start believing because what is the point in a World Cup if
1: you don't believe that exactly. your team can do it? And it's, it's the whole thing that the World Cup comes around once every four years. You've got to believe. You have to believe. We came close in 2018. We came even closer in 2021 in the Euros. I do think we'll make it to a semi-final this time and then, listen, we can talk about Portugal on our next show or or whenever it is. Hopefully
0: when we're celebrating the World Fingers Cup. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed.
1: But yeah, I do think we'll beat France.
0: Wow, that that would be something special, wouldn't it? Because yeah. that would silence every critic. Because what can you even say at that point? That means you've stopped Kylian Mbappe. means you've stopped the World Cup holders. If we beat the World Cup holders, there'll be parties in England already. <laughs> even though we'll have only got to the semi-final. Because I think if we were to get knocked out on Saturday narrowly, then I would probably be thinking, yeah, we've had a decent tournament. We've shown glimpses and if we had a better draw, we could have got further. But so I think in general, don't you think people will be pretty happy getting knocked out to France? I think they'll be a, they'll
1: be content. I don't say they'd be happy, but that they'll be content because they'll have seen what we've tried to do. They'll look in four years, two years into the future and go, well, here's the squad going forward. This is what we can do at further tournaments. So I don't think people will be happy that we've lost to France, but I think people will understand what we're trying to do. Yeah. so it's difficult to sort of put a, put a time thing on it, I do think this is our tournament, this is the one where we've got all the players coming into their like peak ability, you've got Kane, Sterling I know Sterling obviously has had family issues at home so won't probably be present for the France game but you have these sort of players that are coming into the prime of their career and then you've got these generational talents who are below these players like Foden, Bellingham who are only going to go from strength to strength, and, and tournaments like this will only bode well for the tournaments in two years and four years' time. And it would
0: just be dreamland if it happened, wouldn't it? Because imagine that imagine we won the World Cup, the whole country are buzzing, we go back into Premier League football straight away after it as well. It's normally you have the World Cup, celebrate for a bit, whoever wins, enjoy it, and mm. then have to wait. A bit longer for the football, but yeah. we don't have to wait this time, do we? That's the good thing.
1: We don't. We don't. It'll be something else if that, if that happens.
0: So, yeah, that is all for the final episode before Christmas of A Game of Two halves. So I want to let you know now, keep an eye on our socials for more content over Christmas because we're going to be updating it. So we've got our Twitter, which is at two halves LSR. And our Instagram, which is a game of two halves LSR. We're hoping to get a bit of branding done soon, aren't we, on that as well? And a bit more content. Wait. A bit more content coming over Christmas. Well, that's us. Thank you.